Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 191 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Luke chapter 10 today, and our focus is on what should Christians rejoice about? Should Christians rejoice about exorcism and other big ministry wins? So I want to welcome aboard all you new listeners from South Holland, New Netherlands, Bavaria, Germany, parts unknown, South Africa, Gujarat, India, Nova Scotia, Canada, Richmond, Virginia, and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you all for listening. Our goal is to encourage you in reading and obeying the Bible every day. Do please check out our website, Bible2021.com. You can contact us there, ask a question, read our show notes, and subscribe to the show. In this 10th chapter of Luke, Jesus sends out 72 of his followers, demonstrating quite clearly that his message of good news was not just for the apostles to share, nor was it for named ministers and pastors and whatever to share, but for all of his followers to share. And interestingly, that number 72 seems to be quite significant, given that the Greek version of Genesis 10, which lists all of the original nations of the world, lists 72 nations. Now, This mission that Jesus sends his followers out on is obviously successful because they come back overjoyed, but what exactly are they pumped about? Are they happy that people are saved, healed, and delivered? Well, maybe, but the text actually tells us that they are marveling that the demons and the unclean spirits submitted to them, and Jesus, while not rebuking them for what they are rejoicing about, instead, he does correct them and tells them that they should be rejoicing that they themselves have been saved. Now, this is odd, right? Why would Jesus correct them in this manner? It seems like they're rejoicing about a good thing, but it seems like Jesus redirects their rejoicing. So Pastor Tim Keller has some pretty profound insights here that are especially important for Christians in 2021 to understand. Pastor Keller says, if you say, here's how I know I'm somebody, People are listening to me. I'm having an impact. Jesus here is hinting that that is not going to help the social fabric very much because people who rejoice in their accomplishments, in their power, in their performance, in fact, even people who rejoice in their ministry, people who say, I'm somebody because I'm in ministry. I'm somebody because I'm helping people. I'm somebody because look at all the people who are listening to me and look at all the things I'm doing. Jesus says, first of all, You're going to be coercive and manipulative toward the people who are believing in you because they're like your trophies. That's how you know you're somebody. And you're going to be deaf on people who reject you because when people reject you, they actually threaten your very somebodiness, your value, who you are. When your self-image is based on your performance and your record and people don't listen to you, you say things like what we saw James and John say in the Bible. Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven on them, these unbelievers, these nasty people? This is the thing the world sees happening in people with absolute religious claims, and they're scared of it, and they have a right to be scared of it. They're repulsed by it, and maybe they should be repulsed by it, by at least that kind of attitude. Even Jesus begins to see it happening in this particular group of people, his disciples, and he says to them, rejoice not that you have all this power. Don't rejoice in your gifts. Don't rejoice in your performance. I have a better way. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Well, what does that mean? Well, the ancient people all believed that when the judgment day came, books would be open and there in the books would be all of the things you'd ever done. If it was that your good deeds were sufficient, if your good deeds were preponderant or something like that, 
we would write your name in the book of life. And this, of course, is how religion works. But Jesus Christ says, let me tell you what my good news is. That good news is that your name is already written down. How could that be? Past tense. Your name is written? Well, my life's not even over yet, Jesus. How is my name written? We haven't even found out how well I'm going to live. And Jesus says, that's what the gospel is. The gospel is don't rejoice in what you do. Rejoice in what you are in me. The gospel is because of me, you're already in. You're already accepted. You know, like Keller says, you go to the restaurant that's the nicest, classiest restaurant in the best city, and you can't believe you're even going there, and you walk up and the maitre d' says, yes, and you say, uh, I think my name is in the reservation, and he looks down and says, yes, it is. Please come to your table. Well, Jesus Christ says, this door that you've been knocking on all your life, all the beauty you've ever sought, this is the beauty you're after. In all of the love you've ever sought, me, I'm the love you're after. Heaven, God, welcome into the heart of everything. That door is guaranteed to be open to you. If you're rejoicing in something as good as being a great mother or a great father, and you might even say to yourself, that's how I know I'm somebody, or you're rejoicing in being a great minister or a great social worker or a great feeder of the hungry or a great anything, you're helping people, then you're going to find out that when people don't listen to you, you're going to freak out. You're going to try to manipulate them, or if they reject you, you might even get really angry at them. Why? Because your selfness is gone. And Jesus says, don't rejoice in what you've done. Don't rejoice in the power. Then your self-image will be all over the place. Instead, rejoice in who you are in me, and you will be absolutely secure. You're absolutely accepted. Your name has been written. It's already there. Well, let's read our passage with that in mind. Lots of stuff going on in Luke chapter 10. We'll begin with verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag or a traveling bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this household. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't move from house to house. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near you. When you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go out into its streets and say, We are wiping off even the dust of your town that clings to our feet as a witness against you. Know this for certain, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. And the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he said to them, I watch Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but 
Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see the things you see, but didn't see them, to hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him, How do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, on his journey, came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I will reimburse you for whatever extra you spent. Now, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, Go and do the same. While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken from her. Amen. Well, Mary of Bethany, one of my favorite characters in all of the Bible. Can't believe we didn't talk about her today. Let's do, though, close out with our Bible memory verse for the month of July. It's Luke six forty-seven through 48. Jesus says, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.